Hello and welcome to the Daddy Saturday podcast. I'm your host, Justin Batt, and it is my honor to have an incredible guest with us today on the Daddy Saturday podcast, and I'll get to him in a minute. But I want to remind you, this podcast is for fathers. It is there to help you engage your kids, be more intentional, to give you tips, tricks, and dad hacks on our way as fathers to changing the next generation and being more intentional as dads to raise good kids that become great adults. On this podcast, we have all sorts of experts who are everyday fathers, but also professionals, doctors, executives, celebrities, athletes, who are going to give you some great advice. In today's podcast, I'm going to ask that you also subscribe. Please remember to do that. We have incredible guests in our lineup, and it's important you come back each week to help you progress along that continuum of fatherhood. So without further ado, it's my honor to introduce to you a great friend, a mentor, someone that I look up to in many capacities, Dr. Josh Luke. Dr. Luke, Josh, as I call him, is quite an established professional. I mean, he was a hospital CEO. He's regarded as a well-known healthcare authority. He's a professor at USC, Southern California. He's a keynote speaker. He's also the host of the Dr. Luke's Waiting Room, the Healthcare Authority podcast, and he's a multi-time bestseller. His two best-known books are Health, Wealth, and Health, Wealth for You, which we're going to talk about today. And it's 11 Steps to Save Big and Live Healthy, and it's directly targeted towards individuals and families to help them save money and reduce their spending on healthcare. Josh is also married to an incredible woman and has three beautiful children. And Josh, it's my pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Justin. I've been looking forward to it. I appreciate it very much. So Josh, you're you're so accomplished in the space of authorship and authority, and you've got your own podcast, and you're just all over the place. If someone follows you on social media, LinkedIn is where you and I found each other and initially started our relationship. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your platform and then tie that back into your role as a father in the family? Thanks so much, Justin. Yeah, I've been blessed to um, really uh, take the talents that God blessed me with and put them to work in, in my career. And it wasn't always that way because I had two older brothers that were professional athletes. And I remember sitting on the bench during my senior year in high school, uh, watching my teammates play, thinking, hey, you know, maybe God has a different plan for me than uh, being a pro athlete. So maybe I need a backup plan. And my goal actually was to go into sports marketing. And I was able to do that with a lot of success at a young age. I was representing some uh, world-famous athletes and uh, flying private jets to New York for media appearances and stuff. But it was actually on the plane on the way home where I looked across at my wife from one of those trips and said, hey, um, I'm not sure this is what I want to do anymore. We'd just gotten married a few days earlier, actually. And I said, man, I just I think I want to do something that has more of a social mission. I'm not sure what that is, but I asked for her support and prayer and following um, that guidance. And over the next year or two, I was kind of tugged in the direction of healthcare got trained to be a nursing home administrator, and then within a few years became the CEO of a small hospital in Southern California. I spent 10 years as a hospital CEO and uh, at a young age, asked a lot of questions. So really after the Affordable Care Act, I left the C-suite and um, went out on my own. And I founded a not-for-profit that benefited Alzheimer's disease because my mom um, had been diagnosed at the age of 65 and that really impacted me. But what evolved after I left the C-suite was that I became a national voice, both speaking from the stage and on social media, uh, advocating for healthcare pricing transparency and accountability, 
and really evolved from a hospital CEO who was willing to tell the truth and talk about the elephant in the room to a mouthpiece for um, companies, just corporate America, small, mid-sized and uh, Fortune 500 companies that are saying, hey, we can't afford healthcare anymore. Can somebody help us? Can somebody help us understand better why prices are spiraling out of control and there's so much hyperinflation? And so that's uh, the name of the podcast, Dr. Luke's Waiting Room, the Healthcare Authority podcast. So uh, it's been a, I've covered quite a lot of ground, Justin, but it's been an awesome experience for my career. Josh, thanks so much for sharing your story. And it's so compelling. And I can only imagine, you know, you grew up with with two brothers that became pro ball players and and that had to be an incredible experience in and of itself. And then you got to work with some pro ball players. I know in our conversation, Mark McGuire was one of those players that you mentioned early on you got to work with. So you you had these people you could look up to who are professional athletes in your career. Talk to me a little bit about that that role of maybe some heroes that were in your life early on that that you looked up to. Well, you know, since you mentioned Mark, I'll talk a little bit about the the year I worked with Mark. Um, if you were alive in 1998 as a Gen Xer like me uh, or a boomer, then you remember that that summer we were just captivated across the country by Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa chasing this long-standing single-season home run record held by Roger Maris of 61 home runs. But what you'll also remember if you take a minute to reflect is that Mark's number one priority that year other than hitting the ball out of the park, was his son. His son that lived back in Southern California, even though Mark was playing in St. Louis. 13-year-old kid, um, you know, broken home. Uh, and uh, a dad who was an intentional, to use the word you use often, intentionally saying he's my priority. A lot of times we saw him in the dugout being a bat boy. And what was cool about my relationship with Mark is I actually got hired by him, my firm did, while he was in St. Louis because he wanted somebody that was local when he came home for the summer. My sports marketing firm had been recommended to him. Um, he happened to be in Los Angeles playing the Dodgers the day that um, he met with his agent and said, we've got to hire a marketing firm. This is too chaotic. And my brother was actually playing right field for the Dodgers that day. So it was there were so many things that came together. But when Mark came home for the offseason and I actually met him for the first time after um, talking to him on the phone a couple times a week for the last few months of the season, the number one thing he said is, hey, I need you guys to manage the chaos so I can just stay at home and spend time with my father. So when I talk about role models, there's so many in my personal life, but that's a good example of somebody who set a great example of, of intentional fatherhood uh, in my professional life as well. Wow, what a story. Isn't it, isn't it unique to hear that sometimes we put these athletes on a pedestal and we we almost dehumanize them and then to hear that you know, Mark wanted to, even in the midst of all that, really go home and spend time with his family and his father, which was most important to him, says a lot about the role of the father in the household. And, you know, speaking of that, Josh, as we get into the the impact of costs and health care, which has spiraled out of control today, and you certainly talk a lot about across your platforms, there was an article several years ago, it was done, or a study rather, out of the University of Virginia, and it talks about the $100 billion man. And that $100 billion man talks about the impact of fatherlessness in the home and the significant costs that are associated with that. And, you know, the, the costs are far reaching. Many of our societal ills are impacted by that. But one of those is the poverty, which poverty drives many other things. But the incidence of diabetes, the incidence of childhood obesity are actually they're higher in fatherless homes. So, Josh, you've got a good handle on healthcare costs today and how we can save money and impact families as a result of that. 
What are your thoughts around the $100 billion man and maybe the impact of fatherlessness and how we can change that as it impacts our, our health care for our children? Well, let me start by saying my father was a great example uh, for myself, my brothers, and my younger sister. Um, I have four siblings. He always worked hard. He uh, made the jump from corporate America entrepreneurism while I was in high school, um, similar to the jump that I made from corporate America to entrepreneurism. And and I read a few books um, that uh, early in my career as a CEO, because believe it or not, Justin, I went to college for 10 years. I got three degrees. I have a PhD, but I never had one business class. So I said, hey, that's a that's a vulnerability and a weakness, particularly as a hospital CEO. So I wanted to educate myself on finance. And through that process, there was a personal um, challenge too to educate myself on personal finance. I read two books that had a big impact on me. I've been around for a long time, but still very relevant. And the first was The Millionaire Next Door. And literally the point you take from that book is, hey, the richest guy in your neighborhood is usually the one you want to move out of your neighborhood because he drives the same car for all these years and and uh, is simple, not trying to keep up with the Joneses. The other one was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, which what I appreciated about Rich Dad, uh, and I know there's been a series since then, is at one point it referenced um, entrepreneurism and working for yourself as being biblical and working for others as being somewhat unbiblical. At least how, that's how I interpreted it. And, um, and I remember that really struck me. And from that day forward, I said, my goal is to be an entrepreneur and work for myself. And that was something that I, I realized, hey, now that I think back to my high school days, my dad was trying to tell me how important that was, but he wasn't demanding it. He wasn't connecting it to the Bible. He wasn't saying, look, you're only truly free when you work for yourself. And that's essentially what this book said. If you don't work for yourself, you, you are a slave to somebody else, to use a very powerful word that I don't use that often, but that's that's how I recall interpreting it, regardless of the word they used. And, and I think that relation of my father and, and how he impacted me made me say, I have to teach my children on a daily basis the importance of long-term thinking, finance and in being an entrepreneur and even going to the extent of, and here's the helicopter parent in me, of, of setting them up in a responsible manner, whether it's, whether it's buying some rental properties that they can manage when they get out of college or just recently, Justin, I don't know if you've checked this out, but there's a, an app called Acorns, A-C-O-R-N-S, that an Uber driver told me about that, that invests uh, it rounds up the change when you spend money on your debit card and $5 at a time it invests for your child and you just say moderate, conservative or aggressive. And my kids are loving it because it's really in, in their teenage years teaching them uh, how to save. And, and what I love about that app, and I'm not here to promote any any app or company in particular, but what I love is the biggest challenge for me at that age in saving was it was done in big chunks. And this is done in $5 chunks. So I love, those are the lessons I learned by reading those books. And, and so that's kind of a story of intentional fatherhood that started with my father who didn't have a great upbringing and was fatherless. And so he wanted to turn that pattern around. Uh, for my brothers and I, and now for me to pass that on to my two boys and my daughter, my oldest just graduated high school last week. He's going to Azusa Pacific University in the fall. Very proud of him, but it's expensive. And so I told him, hey, you got to have some skin in the game. You got to take some loans, but let's talk about long-term investing. And the other two kids that are still in high school have had debit cards for years. And same thing. We talk about thinking long-term. And so to me, that's about being an intentional father and taking the gifts I have uh, and I've been blessed with and sharing them with my children at a young age. Yeah, Josh, that's so good. And thanks for the tip. And and we'll put a, a link to Acorns in the in the show notes. I think that's a great suggestion for any dad to get involved. And around our house, we do something 
little bit more simple. I haven't had the luxury of having that app yet, but we do give, save, spend. And so 10% they got to give back to the church, 10% they need to save. And then the other 80% is theirs to use as they choose. But then we work with them to make sure they're being good stewards at 80%. We had that exact same rule when they were before high school. And the tithing part was awesome. The saving part was awesome. And I would make them write me out a bank slip on paper just to train them. And at first they didn't like it, but then they liked it and they appreciate it. And they all have those skills now. I'm really pleased to hear that you're doing that too. Well, I think it's it's something that's been lost, right? They don't learn that in school today. Our children don't have that insight. So the only place they're going to get it is from their mother or father in the home. And that's where it's so important as a, as a dad to think about that long-term focus or that line of long-term thinking as you described. And one of the things that, that we often look at too, Josh, when you think about healthcare or you think about business in general, we tend to leave a lot of our principles that we do in business, like forming a mission statement or a vision statement for our family or our kids or even that long-term thought process, we leave that at work. We don't bring that home. Are there other ways where you found that you've brought some of those principles from your executive past home and embedded those in your family? Yeah. And I think that's a great question, Justin. I, um, you know, I've been blessed with such a diverse skill set. And you guys heard a little bit about my career path and my, you know, I was blessed to have three different degrees in college and have seen a lot of things and always uh, listen well and, and pay attention to others around me. I read the news every day. Um, that's still the newspaper. I'm the guy that still subscribes to the paper. But but I also find that I'm on social media a couple hours a day. And that's not wasting time. That's reading, headline grabbing, and uh, just keeping up with what's relevant. And as you said, Justin, that's what attracted your eyeball to me when we first met a couple of years ago is that I know my lane. And my lane is that God blessed me with the ability to say, hey, I came from the healthcare provider side. Uh, the expense of healthcare in America is unjustifiable for businesses, but more importantly for families. And I went without health insurance, my wife and I did in a calculated manner when I was between jobs because I just couldn't justify paying between fourteen hundred and eighteen hundred bucks a month to insure my family of five, three kids in middle school at the time who were all healthy uh, while I was unemployed. And so what I made my personal mission, and, and as, as you listen, you can tell I'm a man of faith, is I made my, my personal mission to be an advocate for American uh, businesses and individuals, but, but it's more so individuals now. I did write the book through Forbes Books for Is Healthcare Bankrupting Your Business, the first health wealth book. But really what it did is made people go, hey, this was awesome because you write one for me. And what I want to um, challenge each of your listeners today, whether you're a father or a mother or just an executive who's you know, inspired by Justin's message, I want to challenge you to check out my book, Health Wealth for You. And it's 99 cents on Amazon. If you're a Kindle reader, you got to pay, I think, 15 bucks if, it's, if you're into the paperback. Um, it's called Health-Wealth, Health Wealth for You. And it's 11 steps to save big and live healthy. And it's not anything completely revolutionary. But remember, I'm not an insider in terms of being a broker or in wellness or in, in you know living healthy, so to speak. I'm a hospital CEO who learned from others that, that have brought the cost of healthcare in their home down by 30 to 60% by doing these simple things that have been around for several years. And I think uh, as a responsible father, as a responsible executive father who's intentional, I would challenge you, hey, if you're not a reader, buy it and hand it to your spouse. Um, hand it to your spouse and say, hey, can you just read this and check out the 11 steps and see if there's three or four of them that work for us? Because I felt like to answer your question more uh, immediately, Justin, is my gift was I have experience in healthcare that I can share with intentional parents 
that um, can help them not just be responsible in how they spend on healthcare, but you're also going to improve your access and have a better understanding. And, and Justin, you've heard me say, I want you all to become EHCs. And that stands for becoming an engaged healthcare consumer. Look, you shop when you buy a car, you shop when you buy a house. Healthcare is actually costing you more than your car over the long term. Why aren't you shopping for healthcare? Because we've been brainwashed as Americans to think, hey, it's just going to go up every year and it's going to get worse every year. You got to deal with, we've passed our tipping point. We're not at the tipping point. We're past the tipping point. And fathers, I want to challenge you to declare your family's tipping point. Grab a copy of that book. It's only 99 cents. Uh, Check it out. Um, throw a review up there on Amazon, if you will, when you're done and say, hey, here's the two or three steps that, man, we're doing already and it's, we're, we're healthier, we're happier and we're saving money. That, Justin, is how I'm trying to give back, not just to my family, but to American families who might have different gifts and haven't worked in healthcare. Josh, thanks so much. And, and, you know, I think the good thing about this book for our audience is that you've made it very practical. And the the 11 simple concepts you talk about in the back, they're something that people can grab onto and make immediate substantial savings, right, in their in their personal finances and in their healthcare decision-making process. So maybe um, give us one or two of your, your most popular steps or steps you've gotten the most feedback around from those 11 steps, Josh. DNA testing and or the microbiome, which is a fancy word for your gut, um, are kind of the most advanced steps into personalized medicine. They can range. You've heard of 23andMe was kind of the first well-known one, but now there's 20 other competitors. Some are better at this. Some are better at that. Um, there's Ubiome. There's Vbiome. There's, there's so many different things that can tell you what your personal roadmap is, what your body is. It's just like a map, how it differs even from your spouse, how your children differ from each other, what foods are fuels for you, which ones are blockers, um, which medications uh, your body metabolizes better, which ones it doesn't. So uh, personalized medicine is a big focus, but also um, I like to tell health chapters and um, you can follow me if you don't already on LinkedIn at Dr. Josh Luke, but I'm on Twitter at Josh Luke for health, the number four health. And what I share a lot there is the experience of the first time you, instead of going to the doctor, as we were trained to do, canceling half your day's plans, either you or your spouse to take one of your children to the doctor, sit there for an hour, doctor squeezes you and spends two minutes with you, German infested waiting room, end up at the pharmacy an hour later, half your day's gone to get a prescription. Uh, whereas now there's a better alternative. And, and you know what's funny, Justin? You know, I'm a big fan of millennial culture. But the millennials look at us like we're crazy when we say, I'm not ready for or used to telehealth. Because let me tell you the alternative to what I just described. Your son or daughter wakes up and says, Dad, I have a sore throat. You go to your phone. You say, hey, Teladoc or one of the other apps, ReadyMD or whatever else it might be. You say, hey, I need a, a telehealth consult with a physician as soon as possible. Within 10 minutes, there's a doctor there um, checking out, answering, answering your questions, prescribing you a medication. And even I caught myself the first time my daughter did this. Uh, saying to the doc, hey, don't you need to get a lab to prescribe that medicine? And he said, no, because I know it's one of these two or three things and that medication will uh, resolve each of those. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I fell into my own trap that I'm critical of, which is thinking that we need to do more uh, based on what we already know, which is the trap of the American healthcare system, which in the industry we call overutilization. So um, I think telehealth, I think personalized medicine, those are two things you can do right away. A lot of plans cover it. Mine plan covers it for free. And for those of you that just can't afford 1500 bucks a month or whatever it is for um, insurance anymore, 
Um, there's something now called cost sharing, and it's not regulated by the Department of Insurance. And I'll, I'll share with you two of the most common names. If you're if you're Christian, there's one called MediShare, M-E-D-I Share. They're based out of the Carolinas, and they are a faith-based cost sharing plan. I can tell you my brother has been a member for seven or eight years since he retired from uh, baseball and became a realtor and loves it. Um, I joined personally Sedera Health, S-E-D-E-R-A Health, which is a non-faith-based cost-sharing plan, which is one of the few things the Trump administration has done since they um, started to address health care. Um, is my cost-sharing plan is the same. I pay five eighty-five a month instead of sixteen hundred. I get thirty percent off. I basically walk into the doctor and say I don't have health insurance, which is true. I'm a cash patient, which is true. Uh, and they give me a 30% discount without even asking. And so the 585 a month I'm paying is once I get to $1,000 or more on a single episode, you know, one injured leg or one disease or whatever it might be, then they start to pay for it. And that may sound like a lot, but guys, I got to tell you, I'm six months into the year, knock on wood, and I've been paying 585 a month and I haven't paid more than a hundred bucks a month between medication and doctor's appointments and anything else in any single month since then. And I got three kids in high school, well, one's in college now, but three teenagers. So, um, so there's some tips for you, Justin. Josh, we could go on for days and you're so full of information and have so much to offer. And so thank you so much for that. I just do want to wrap up here with one question for you. We asked this question of everyone on our podcast, and that is if you were to buy a boat, Josh, and I'm not talking about a little boat. I'm talking about like a yacht. Uh, if you were to buy a boat, what would you name that boat? <laughs> well, um, I can tell you I've actually lived this out. My wife and I do own a boat. It's not a big boat. Uh, but I actually came up with uh, my wife and I came up with the name for our boat, which after 10 years, we still haven't printed it on the boat because we just haven't gotten to it. But it was Runaway. And the reason we thought Runaway was appropriate is we love to run away to the lake uh, four or five times a summer with our kids who have now fallen in love with it, too. Uh, and um, and just get away and, and get be in harmony and be in peace. And what's interesting is when we bought the boat, I bought it without my wife's approval because she'd already seen it and said, I love that boat. So I brought it home and I said, hey, I want to call this daddy's little girl named after our daughter who just loved the lake. And at first mom said, well, but what about me? It's my little girl too. And sure enough, we we're sitting at the lake on the first trip. And a Bon Jovi song, Bon Jovi's first ever song, that if you're a child of the MTV generation like me, you remember this video called Runaway. Runaway came on our boat stereo, and one of the lines said, Daddy's little girl. And my wife and I just looked at each other, and we said, Runaway. That's the name of our boat. So that's a fun little story to wrap it up. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Josh. Runaway. Well, the one thing I think we can all say as we conclude this, and we'll play off the name of your boat, as fathers... We cannot run away from the responsibility that we have to be intentional and engaged with our kids and with our families and also with our health care of our families. And so often the, the mother statistics show takes that primary role. And I think it's time for us as fathers to step up, play a more engaged role in the health care and the health care decisions and the health care economics of our families. And Josh, your, your book and your platform certainly references that. So in closing, Josh, where can people find you at real quickly? You gave us a couple of those items already, but would you give them again? Yeah, on LinkedIn, I'm at drjoshluke.com, Dr. Josh Luke. On Twitter, it's at Josh Luke, the number four health. And if you want to check out drjoshluke.com, that's my public speaking page. And by the way, if I can get one shameless plug in, I'm a public speaker for a living. I'd love to come talk to your church, your youth group, your business, your sales team, whatever it might be, your trade organization, about any of the things we've talked about today. So uh, check me out. I'd love to come speak for you. Thanks so much. Justin. Thank you, Josh. And with that, 
It is an honor to host this podcast. This is the Daddy Saturday podcast. And remember, be an intentional, be an engaged dad, and have a great Daddy Saturday.